0: So we are having a Fourth of July get together, you know, Steven gave me a bottle and I'm coming over, you know, to to pour it for someone. My kid bumps me or something happens and the thing drops and it splatters all over the concrete. By the way, your bottles are not concrete proof. It sounds like you just need
1: to get a new kid. This is episode 281 of Bourbon Pursuit, the podcast featuring news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. Before we start talking to Stephen Beam today, here's your weekly bourbon news update. So how are you going to be celebrating Repeal Day this year? Join myself, Fred Minnick, Blake, Breaking Bourbon, Brian Hera, musical artists like Lindsay L., Sean James, and many others in a virtual Repeal Day Expo. It's a full day of bourbon-inspired presentations and private concerts. You can get your tickets for the December 5th event at repealdayexpo.com. We're super excited to be a part of the new Aged and Ore Spirits flight launch that is now happening on Kickstarter. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a set of four glasses, each etched with letters A through D, and they also have multi-function rubber stops. And the rubber stops are also coated A through D that you hang on your whiskey bottle that you can do for blind tastings. And they also secure the glasses in place to the flight tray so you can hang it right on the wall it's the best new tool that you didn't know that you actually need check it out at bourbonpursuit.com flight four roses is announcing plans for an expansion of its current visitor center and enhancements to the overall guest experience at the bourbon distillery located in lawrenceburg kentucky in 1910 the louisville-based architecture firm Joseph and joseph designed the distillery in a spanish mission style That is unique to Four Roses and is on the National Register of Historic Places. Today that firm is now Joseph and Joseph and Bravura and is designing the distillery's latest expansion in that same style. There will be a new 3,800 square foot outdoor covered patio and cocktail area. The expansion will allow Four Roses to potentially double the visitor capacity and is expected to be completed at the end of 2021. In other big news, Stagg Jr. is joining the Single Barrel Select Program in 2021 at Buffalo Trace. This is something that many bourbon lovers out there have been you know, ready to rejoice, but to be honest, it's still going to be very hard to come by. But the very first barrel has been donated to St. Jude for their online auction. Along with the Stagg Jr. Barrel, the winner gets a VIP Buffalo Trace experience, which includes a stay at the Stagg Lodge that has a panoramic view of Buffalo Trace, and you can view and bid on this item at vfundraise.com gifts 2020. Now moving on to bourbon release news. Blackened Whiskey, which you may know is a collaboration between the late Dave Pickerel, who was on the podcast back on episode 142, and heavy metal rock sensation Metallica. They have a new exclusive cask strength release. And this limited edition release is a blend of straight whiskeys finished in black brandy casks and went through their proprietary Sonic enhancement process called Black Noise, where at low hertz frequencies from Metallica and the San Francisco Symphony's SM2 playlist were used to extract more of those black brandy characteristics. It's bottled at 110.7 proof, with only 1,100 bottles available, at Kroger locations across Kentucky, with a retail price of $54.99. New Rift Distilling is announcing a new bourbon called Winter Whiskey. It's distilled with malted oat and chocolate malt to resemble a chocolate oatmeal stout. The mash bill includes 65% corn, 20% malted oats, 7% pale ale malt, and 5% steel cut raw oats, and 3% chocolate malt. It's a lot of grains there. Winter whiskey is bottled and bond without chill filtration, aged at least four years, and bottled at 100 proof with an SRP of $49.99. Kentucky Owls announced a pair of limited edition releases which is Kentucky Owl Rye batch number four and Kentucky Owl Bourbon batch number 10. It'll be slated for availability around the holiday season. Batch four is dubbed the last rye. Not really sure what that means. Who knows if it is the last or not, but it is bottled at 112.8 proof and is a blend of 10 through 13 year old rye stocks. Kentucky Owl Bourbon batch number 10 was bottled at 120.2 proof and will be available at select spirits retailers nationwide and each of them are priced with a suggested retail price of $299.99. Thank you to everyone who has supported our Private Label Pursuit series. We just sold out of episode 32, which was our second to last 15-year-old Tennessee bourbon barrel. We have one more that we're saving until it turns 16, and after that, we're done with that train. And after December, we're moving on, and we are launching Pursuit United, so stay tuned for more details at PursuitSpirits.com, and of course, Pursuit Spirits on all the socials as well. Now, you may never heard of Limestone Branch before, and maybe you're just now starting to hear about Yellowstone Bourbon. Stephen Beam, yep, there's a lot of Beams in the bourbon industry around Kentucky, is a descendant of the Dant family. Yes, that JW Dant that you're thinking of right now. This one is full of rich history on the family as well as the labels. With that, enjoy today's episode, and here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char.
0: I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. As we come up on the holidays, I think it's important to note what gifts I really hate getting that are whiskey-related. Now listen, I never look a gift horse in the mouth, and I think it's always kind that one of my relatives thinks that buying me something whiskey-related is a good gift. It is a good gift, but there are some gifts that I just like, oh, another set of whiskey stones. I hate these things. I've always hated these things. Why don't people read my tweets? (laughs) Or an ice ball. I used to actually really dig the ice balls. Now, like, I get an ice ball and it, like, cracks and I don't, like, ripping it apart. I'm just, uh, I'm always at the point now where I'm like, yeah, these ice balls are a pain in the ass. I'm not going to deal with them anymore. I do, I do like the ice makers. If you want to buy me one of those, those are really badass. I love the ice makers that come with clear ice. Oh, those are so cool. Uh, let's see what else, or what are some other things? I, I can't tell you how many people have gone to garage sales or have gone to uh, like flea market sales and seen like uh, a bottle, um, a Jim Beam decanter from the 70s. They get it and they're all excited. And I'm like, yay, I got a Jim Beam decanter. I, I might be one of the only people who don't like Jim Beam decanters from the 70s. They just kind of. They always smell like an old man's basement and his toilet, you know, got broke and it flooded one year and the bottles were kind of cut up in the flood of toilet water kind of smell. I'm kind of, I'm looking at them right now, so I'm actually having this weird vision of of this toilet water running over them. Anyway, I'm made to see some therapy. I have some major issues about this stuff, but. I know everyone's got, everyone's got one of those gifts that they are like, oh no, please don't give me that. Oh, you know, so tell me, tell us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, however it is you, you know, you do your communicating. Tell us the whiskey gift that you hate getting. Tag Bourbon Pursuit and Fred Minnick, the best one that Kenny and I deem to be the best, We'll get a big box of nothing, and we can guarantee you that you're not going to get it. So it'll be the best non prize you've ever gotten. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, that was kind of a crappy Above the Char on my part because people like to give gifts. We should always be thankful for gifts, and I'm thankful for you all for always listening to this
1: podcast. Until next week, cheers. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12 year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye opener. You can order online at Sealbox or the theBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Fred and Kenny here today talking with somebody that Fred's known for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to know more about his story because he's got a name that resonates with every bourbon lover out there, and that is the word beam.
0: Yeah. So, and it's a shame that Ryan's not here because we could have talked that we could have had half an episode about landscaping too. <laughs> but um uh yeah, Stephen Beam is uh, a descendant of the Dan family. And of course the Beam family, he's, um uh, you know, everybody, everybody sees these whiskey brands and the, the history and the heritage behind them. And we have a living, breathing, breathing member of like, you know, two dominant uh families, in American whiskey, but, um, what I see is that, you know, Steve's always been a friend. He's a good man. Um, and he's been a part of something that, um, you know, I've been slightly a part of and that's bringing, you know, MBA to, to Louisville. So there's a lot of things that Steve does. that kind of goes outside of whiskey. And I think it, a lot of it's because he's just a good human being, Yeah, it, just
1: a great dude. And <laughs> when, before we started recording, I was talking about that. I actually came to the distillery, uh, before this podcast was ever a thing. Uh, We were talking about, because I remember being there and the only thing available was the the moonshine. And Mm -hmm. so we kind of talked about that. And I think it'll be really cool to understand exactly, you know, the journey, you know, the path that he's carved and how limestone branch is starting to, you know, start coming out with new products and everything like that and trying to, you know, really put themselves on the map. So it's going to be And oh, by the way, he
0: was uh, the front and center of the series Moonshiners. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So,
1: you know, so we have that in common too. I've been (laughs) on Moonshiners a couple of times Okay. All right. We got some got some old old tv stars over here <laughs> yeah some imdb pages about to start blowing up very soon. yeah and turtle man that's i've been on oh, you turtle been turtle turtle man? Man. oh for anybody that doesn't know like you go google turtle man and you'll you'll see exactly what it's all can you do the turtle man yell? no <laughs> i don't know a turtle man you have to go check that out oh, you need to check it out. oh man he's he's this guy and he goes and he actually like hunts and not hunts but he like Pulls out snapping turtles out of the ground and he's just got this like this yell that he does every Perfect. every single time he pulls one out. Oh, he's he's a Kentucky legend, man. I'm yeah. surprised. Wow. I think he's yeah. originally from like Somerset or something like yeah. that. Uh, or, he
2: lives he lives in Lebanon. Now. Is that where it is? Yeah. Okay. But uh yeah.
0: By the so. way, snapping turtles, those are like the most frightening creatures. <laughs> Talk
1: about lose a finger.
0: Uh, that's not what I'm thinking about when they're going to snap. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess don't swim in those waters. (laughs) Especially nude. So let's go to introduce our guest today. So, today on the show, we have Stephen Beam. He is the president and distiller at Limestone Branch Distillery in Lebanon, Kentucky. So, Stephen, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You know, it's just nice to get out and change the walls.
1: Oh, for sure. And see new people.
2: And see new people. So Fred's old,
0: but. Yeah.
1: Fred's yeah. old. Yeah, I'm
2: old
0: and crusty. <laughs> I'm somewhat new, I guess. You know, Kenny doesn't have any gray hair. You oh, know, I got, it's coming on the sides. It's coming on the
1: sides. Yeah, oh, boy. But it's, it's, it's not, it's not salt and pepper enough. It's just. Yeah, I'm, I'm like. I'm becoming more salt by the day. <laughs> you look distinguished though. Yeah, I guess, whatever. People might start taking you more seriously. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it, it. Maybe that's what it is.
2: <laughs> it, it's funny. I was in uh, in a photo and I was trying to find myself and I, I was like, I couldn't find myself. And then I realized that I was the one with all the white hair because <laughs> I was from the back. And I was like, oh my God. When did this happen? <laughs> that was, uh, we were out doing a, a, a service project in Yellowstone. And uh, they had taken a picture and shared it. And so I'm like, well, I'm not even
1: on in that photo. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm well, the wait, old guy with there, the white hair. <laughs> there it is. There's me. So before we kind of dive into, you know, you and the history and more about Yellowstone, we always kind of start these off with kind of like a fun question. And so yours today is, do you believe in aliens?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Like, uh, have you seen one? I think you experienced one or you think it's all like government- Conspiracy oh, n- high. You know. na- na-
2: now I'm going to tell him my brother. Okay. <laughs> and he would hate me to t- say this, but uh, my brother uh, worked at Ford uh, and he was coming home one night. And uh, he said that, you know, he's something came over, hovered over his uh, car and then
1: just disappeared, disappeared in the night like
2: that. And uh, if you know my brother, he's not one at first, he wouldn't be drinking it <laughs> and driving. And, uh, and he is a straight shooter, so I've I, when he I've always had my questions, you know. Just when you think about it, I mean, the the world is so, I mean, the universe is so
1: so large. I mean,
2: yeah, and and we'd be. It's pretty arrogant to think that we would be the only ones here. Now, whether they've actually made contact, that's a whole other story.
1: Mm-hmm. What about you, Fred? Are you are you a believer in UFOs? <sighs> <sighs>
0: I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. <laughs> but uh, so uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch Unsolved Mysteries and when they did the alien episodes i couldn't sleep you know i was so scared uh, but yeah i mean i i don't think i don't think you can live today w- without acknowledging that there's aliens um, be, you know first of all the nasa's starting to release uh, boatloads of information of un- unidentified objects you know flying you know there's a lot of theories as to what those could be um, you know but i i really i really think that if, you know, the aliens are looking at us thinking, what the fuck is wrong with these people, <laughs> you know? I mean, geez, I mean, you, you can't even get along over a taco or, or a cheeseburger, <laughs> like you argue over everything right? and like you, you know, one person likes that bourbon and that person doesn't. And so you get in fights on Facebook about the bourbon. Oh, the so, bourbon,
2: the bourbon Facebook fights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could you
0: imagine being stops. an alien race observing us through bourbon Facebook groups? Oh my God. <laughs> they're doing what a potato (laughs) (laughs) what's a tater (laughs) but yeah i uh that's the certainly not the kind of question you normally ask is there are you is there something you need to tell us
1: kenny uh no i mean this was just something that you know i i thought of i was like because there's some people that they believe maybe they don't believe i don't know i i i feel that there is this i I totally agree with both of you like the universe is massive like Mm -hmm. it, it is it'd be arrogant to think that we're the only species or anything like that however i do feel a little weird that they haven't had at least some sort of contact or some sort of well, proof or something like that you know i, I want to feel like it's uh you know like i forget movie it had like jody foster and they i think it was actually called contact yeah we, and yeah. yeah and so it, you would think that there'd be something there that it, in most of these that either we we hear about or we you know put in movies they're you know their technology or whatever it is is so far beyond of what we have and now you're like oh God, maybe we're not so advanced after all
0: well and i think that's that's where a lot of people always go but what if we are like actually really advanced but we just lack you know the space travel uh capabilities and i think like star trek has a really good philosophy is you don't make first contact unless you have warp warp drive capabilities which <laughs> you can the the <laughs> out of there you know can move so um i i think that um the X-Files also had a really good theory as to why a- aliens first came here. It was because after the atomic bomb drop, like it's in, it, it's basically disrupted space because there was put so much pressure and everything out there. And they'd saw that the, the nuclear weapon capabilities and it, and it had a, had the potential to change the, the universe. And so naturally, in X Files, humans captured the aliens and then started carving it up and using its DNA in the, <laughs> in people and so forth. So
1: you know, just hopefully we don't have to live through like an Independence Day kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I
0: mean, if we're going to war with the aliens, I mean, I got a forty five cult that I know I can
1: survive probably at least two of them. <laughs> um, oh, they get they got lasers or something. They probably you know. Got-
0: I, lasers don't scare me you know? it's them eating me yeah okay yeah. i'm more afraid of like <laughs> they the want to dissect you and what have you but
2: yeah. they want
1: to see what's up with your bourbon collection well
2: you know you never know with with the year this we've had and what's going on you know oh and aliens are up. definitely on the yeah. list. It's on,
0: the, it's on the bingo card <laughs> and if it's not if it, it, it's definitely everyone brings it up but you know then people just dismiss it and be like oh you know that's wacky talk but I mean, I think more and more, and the conversation about aliens is no longer going to get you in the psych ward. You know, now it's (laughs) like, I mean, here we, we're on a bourbon podcast. We're having a serious discussion (laughs) about aliens and we're laughing a little bit, but both, all of us are like, hmm, Hmm. yeah, what would I do? Where, where am I going? I think that's some truth to this. Yeah, I mean, so
1: hopefully there is a men in black like society out there that is protecting us. Maybe we just don't know
0: yeah i just don't i really listen aliens you go do alien stuff just leave us alone and for god's sake stay
1: away from my bourbon yeah that's we can it. all we can all agree with that so let's go ahead we'll uh, we'll kind of dive into whiskey i think that's people what they really care about anyway so steven let's kind of start with you and and let's i think since yeah i mean either the name you've got the lineage let's start at your childhood <laughs> sit sit back on the chair and start telling us everything no but i mean uh Kind of kind of give us an idea of like what it was like growing up, uh, knowing that you were associated with um, you know, the beams and bourbon and everything like that growing up. Kind of talk about
2: Well, it's it's kind it's kind of funny because my father always downplayed it and uh said, Oh, well, they're distant you know, we're we're not we're, we're, not, the we're not those beams. Yeah. And my dad always said they're bonded and we were blended, but <laughs> <laughs> That's a good I like that. I like that. But uh but I, grew, I tell people I grew up around it. You know, I had all, m- many, many cousins who were in the business, uh, uncles, who were in, uncles who were in the business. Uh, so I grew up with everyone in and around it, not necessarily in our family. My father worked briefly in it, in the business in the 40s and then left, which he actually played baseball. That's a whole other story. What was that. your
1: father's name? Uh, Jim. Jim. Jim there we go <laughs> yeah. okay so we have, we have to make sure that we we are establishing the how serious this is yeah, yeah. so
2: um but I, I will put it with my mom because she was very very proud of the fact that she was uh, a dant of dant heritage and lineage and um, so jw dant and she took us around and sh- and showed us where the old distilleries were and talked about the old uh, my like my grandmother grew up around the distillery, the house at the distiller's house there. And so we have a lot of stories like that. And so my mom really pushed the fact that that we were there. And I really didn't find out about uh, like minor case and, and our ties to the bourbon industry until I was uh, probably in high school.
1: We'll kind of talk about that then. How did, you, how did you find out about it? It was just a... Sitting around at Christmas, and then somebody says, "Like, oh, by the way." Well, you know, it was it's kind of funny because I was I was always
2: interested in getting into the business, although I didn't want to uh, necessarily work on a line somewhere, you know, and that was kind of where things were in the seventies. Uh, so um, I looked in, was looking into it, and I, I actually looked into what it would be like to get into the distilling business. I, I looked at UK to see mm-hmm. if there was any kind of program. No, nothing on distilling yeah and uh, my, this was in the 70s yeah yeah and my dad was like oh well you will need to be a chemi- chemical engineer and I'm like well that leaves that out <laughs> <laughs> anything with the word
1: engineer sounds like that it sounds like a lot of math and science yeah, the, be tough. Yeah,
2: actually the engineer part's okay the chemical part chemistry and I didn't get along yeah so. <laughs> but um yeah so I just just started doing research on the family and uh started finding out more and more about you know, how significant our family did play in, in, in the bourbon industry. So.
0: You didn't have to look far because there's a lot of materials on uh, definitely beans, but I mean, you know, pre two thousands, you know, I I feel like the Dan family does like it almost like in the modern era of whiskey, it like almost gets no credit. And of course, heaven Hill basically has a bottled and bond. It's like, if you know, if you know your whiskey, you get it. But and, outside and of
1: people look at it, and it's usually
0: bottom shelf. Exactly. I right. mean, it gets like, that name, Dant, uh, I mean, it was being Dant, neck and neck, all, right. you know, throughout the early 1900s. Right.
2: And actually, after uh, Prohibition, the Dant's were much more formidable than the beams yeah
0: absolutely correct absolutely correct
2: because they actually had money the beams had no money (laughs) yeah and and,
0: (laughs) i remember uh reading a lot of um uh, materials from 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 the dance in that in that time frame and some of the i mean they were strong business people strong
1: yeah kind of talk let's educate some of our listeners maybe myself too so you know, you had mentioned that the the Dant family had money. Kind of talk about the history of the Dant's, uh, you know, everything that they had built and and sort of what that culminated to.
2: Okay. So, J.W. Dant uh, was born in Kentucky and he started distilling in 1836. And uh, he did this, one of the early adopters of the sour mash process. And when he first started, he didn't have a whole lot of money and they, he distilled on the log, uh, which meant that they took a log and in his case it was a poplar log and they hollowed out the center and then uh, would pipe steam into it and they would actually cook their mash in that log then ferment it and then uh, put a cap on it and distill off of it as well.
1: It's like a one-stop shop for Absolutely. distillation. And okay. you can
2: imagine it was uh, probably fairly rough, uh, but that was typical of the, of the era. And uh, from what I understand, he had a 15-gallon copper finish still, and he finished all of his in that. And so he became well-known for having a really high-quality sour mash whiskey and uh, became very successful and had four, 14 children and seven sons, uh, all the, in the, stayed in the business. So... a uh, Busy man. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> you know, that's what you did back then. Like, you, you needed help on the farm. Make another kid. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, you know, some of them, they, you know, they get married and go, so you still have to, you know, fill in the Exactly, ranks. right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because when we opened the distillery, we had uh, a gentleman came in, and he was my age, and he said he was uh, J.W. Dance's uh, great-grandson. And I was like... Mm, me too? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm his great-great, So there's okay. a generation. so he was my grandmother's generation. And I was like, you mean great-great, right? And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm his great-grandson. And it was the youngest. My, uh, my great-great-grandfather was toward the beginning. He was one of the older ones. And then his mother was the youngest of all those children, huh. uh, his grandmother. And then his mother was the youngest of that family. And then he was the, young, so it was the youngest, 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 but he was, it was just so funny to see someone, my grandmother would have been a hundred years old and he was probably in his fifties, but they were of the same, same generation. Wow. wow.
0: You know, it, it, it's funny because the beams had very similar breeding <laughs> techniques because <laughs> you, you look at their family tree, there's like 30 over here, 15 there. <laughs> I mean, it's. You come right. from a long line of breeders. Steve. Yeah. Well, Catholics, you know, <laughs> <laughs>
2: but you know, the beams weren't Catholic, but they married Catholics. So, yeah. you know, that's, that happens.
1: <laughs> and so the other part of that, this, you know, I, I would say when you talk to that gentleman that came in, you just like look at a chart and be like, so are you my like uncle, like four times removed? <laughs> like how, like, how did you figure out? Well, like, I it, always ask, you know, what, well,
2: which, which one were you? Cause I, I, I kind of know them. And, uh, so it's easy to kind of place sort of it, uh, nothing's easy because they're all in inter- especially my family tree, because it intertwines because of uh, my grandmother's sister married into the dance family. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, they two, two sides of the family through marriage intertwined into the dance.
1: So it was, uh, it was very confusing when I was young. So still, get, it still
2: gets confusing. But.
1: Yeah, I can, I can. I'm already confused. <laughs> so, I want to continue a little bit on the the Dant history here. So, so Dant had a 15 gallon still, 14 kids. Where does it go from here, and how do they how do they build so, an empire, if you will? So he
2: became uh, successful. Uh, one of the stories I I love is that when the market got saturated here in uh, Kentucky, he uh, had a raft built and they took it to new orleans so they would go down the pottingers creek to the salt river to the ohio river to mississippi and then on to new orleans and he went down and sold his whiskey and uh walked back and they'd walk back the natchez trace uh which was you know today we go no he, didn't, he nobody would walk from you know new orleans to kentucky but it was rather common you know, back then. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. Walk. And uh, so, and then the next year he went down and uh, they said he made enough money that he bought a mule and rode back. And so I guess he became, uh, that was the beginning of him becoming prosperous. <laughs> so, uh, but he, he built a, a, a very large following and a, a good distillery. Uh, he, it was interesting. His, his distillery was all gravity fed. Uh, the distillery that he built into a hillside, which was kind of an engineering uh, feat at that time as well, and then uh, his oldest son Bernard Dant started a Cold Spring Distillery, which would eventually become Yellowstone.
1: Oh, okay, there we go. So, so the Dant family legacy. So it it basically, it, you know, you're trucking stuff down in New Orleans trying to sell it, and and from there it just grows and grows and grows. Right. And then was this where where was the kind of tipping point, or where like Dan saw like a, a decline. I mean, is this, is this a Prohibition story or is this something before? Well, actually,
2: Prohibition, they they did well in Prohibition because they h- held on to the whiskey stocks and they uh, licensed the brands through, uh, at least Yellowstone, through uh, Brown Foreman. So Brown Foreman uh, bottled and sold Yellowstone during Prohibition. And then after Prohibition, they built a massive distillery down in here in uh, Louisville off South 7th Street. I think it was the tallest Column still at in the the state at the time uh, and yeah, so they did very well and Yellowstone was a popular brand. I always heard it was a very popular brand with moon uh with uh, bootleggers uh, so why is that it was a a good quality and reasonably priced oh, well, then yeah, I guess that will work
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had some of that uh, vintage uh, Yellowstone it's tasty, yeah, real tasty
1: because you're a bootlegger too <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs>
0: Come man. I'm sorry.
1: We, we don't talk about that. <laughs> Always side recording. Of the Always recording. Sorry.
0: And also, it's got pretty good brand recognition. I think we all know about Yellowstone the yeah. Park. And, yeah, absolutely with the park.
2: So, and, and uh, the name came from the founding of the park in 1872 when the park was founded. Um, they had a salesman. His name was Charles Townsend. And he, he came back from out west. And everybody was so excited about this new first national park that uh, he convinced them. To name a bourbon Yellowstone, so they branded the bourbon Yellowstone and, and it's been on the shelf ever since. Like I said, that was a uh,
0: pre uh, trademark litigation, <laughs> uh, in a big way because you know, could get away with that today, yeah, you know,
2: yeah. Well, there, yeah, there there are some like Yellowstone beers and things when you go out toward yeah. Montana, but uh, yeah, it is. We – we're grandfathered in, so I've uh, been around long time
0: now this is a this is a huge sidebar and kenny's not gonna like it but do you watch the yellowstone show i do isn't that good it is who it, says i
1: wouldn't like this i don't know i just because it,
0: it, you, you'd never like it when we go off too much
2: off topic yeah. so i i do it's uh i tell people it's you know it's like the the 2020 version of dallas you know oh
0: yeah it's ew, it's so good but I'm, I'm always watching it i'm like why is bullet? Well, I know why bullets in every dadgum show. It's because they're paying for it. But I was like, why in the hell don't they have like a collab with you guys? Probably just need that. <laughs> they need it. And for those not uh, listening, Steve made the money sign. So they want a fat check.
2: Yeah. But, but. we do. We do actually advertise on, on Yellowstone. It's been very well. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's, it's done very well for us. It was, at the, at it the was recent too, right? No, we, the, we or Yellowstone or. On, on the show.
1: Oh. Yeah. I yeah. remember, I nice. remember seeing something like that uh recently. Yeah, Yellowstone Yellow yeah. for all. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember seeing it. So. so,
0: I actually don't watch it on the on the live version. So, yeah, I, I try to skip the commercials. Apologize. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's okay. But it's done. But it's, you already got me. It's so done. You, you done don't well. My business.
2: You know, when you write those big checks for commercials like that, you always wonder if it's actually going to make a difference. But that that was instantaneously. So you could you could
1: tell.
0: So they say that too about the burn pursuit sponsors. They say they they can't keep it in stock. You know? I know
1: it just it keeps flying off the shelf. God, it's the BP effect. <laughs> so Steve, I know I, I know I'm going to keep harping you on history here. I think because I think it's so much fun to talk about. Um, so we had we had mentioned and talked about the dance, but there's there, there is a there is a point that maybe I don't even know about, and, and that's when did when did dance kind of like have this like falling off where. It then became, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's a it's now kind of like a lower tier, bottom shelf, plastic mm-hmm. handle thing coming from Heaven Hill.
2: Right. Well, uh, Yellowstone was sold in the early 40s to Glenmore. And then uh, the Thompson family had it up until the 90s. Yeah. And then um, J.W. Dant, that was sold out of the family in the 1950s. But it, there was a lot of maybe family infighting and things with people, you know. It, it, there was a lot of, of issues there <laughs> with lines of, uh, descent maybe. Yeah. Well, um, like it, who yeah, controls what, who controlled what, yeah. uh, uh, with
1: 14 kids and counting that yeah. I'm sure that gets yeah. a little, little hairy.
2: So, but in, anyway, so it, the, the last of the George Dant owned, uh, JW Dent brand, he sold that actually to Armand hammer. And I think that was in the fifties. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Armand hammer said that that was his, uh, the best investment he ever made cuz he turned around uh yeah i think he bought it for 2 or 3 million something like that and and turned around and sold it to shinley i think or you know, shinley i think but anyway yeah. for like 16 million like just a couple of years later and it had to do with something you may know this fred had something to do with uh production in the war and allotments and things i, I don't i don't know
0: yeah, so in 42 like there was uh you know they started making people distill industrial alcohol or not do anything at all. And uh it was just a great diversification around the really the everybody in business at that time was trying to diversify and you saw people getting into briefcases <laughs> and penicillin and and uh is is weird. <laughs>
1: We need yeah. to probably diversify in the penicillin pursuit.
0: Uh you know, penicillin <laughs> is is uh is losing its mojo. It's not as hot as it used to be. Go so.
1: figure. Go figure. Uh so that's awesome. I mean, at least we kind of know exactly how the how that sort of happened. And then kind of talk about let's let's focus on you a little bit. So you know, you had mentioned that, you know, high school era, you kind of looked at the, the distilling business and, and bourbon business and said, like, this looks like fun, but I don't want to go work on a line. Right. Where did you find that passion to start driving and say, okay, well, I actually want to start getting into the business now?
2: Well, um, all through, I, I went on to school, but I I had always been interested in uh, horticulture. I'd had a greenhouse when I was like 10 years old. So
0: now uh, were you, gr- what were you growing in that greenhouse <laughs> at 10 years old in Kentucky? I,
2: I was growing succulents actually, Okay. But, but I, I, I had friends who were growing, uh, you know, some other things, mm. but it, <laughs> the other, him. the other Steve beam, was yeah. growing. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, so I, I went ahead with, uh, that as my career with in landscape architecture, but through college is really when I really started doing a lot more research on the family, both the dance and the beams and, uh. Really became interested in it. And uh, I just started to look at the possibility of opening a distillery. But at that time, you still had to have a uh, gauger on site. Mm-hmm. It was not geared toward small scale production, everything was geared toward, you know, the massive
1: distilleries. So, and you said this is about college time frame you were looking yeah, at? Yeah, okay. when
2: I graduated from college, uh, is when I really started looking into it. And then so I just shelved it and uh thought, well, you know, this maybe something that I, I would do down the road sometime. So I kept doing what I was doing. And then eventually this thing called the internet started to appear uh back in the old dial-up days. And mm. you know, I do some searches and and got a few little hits and things. And uh I think the first one I a small the story I found out about was uh Fritz Maytag out in anchor and dry fly in uh washington state and so that kind of got me back interested into thinking that well this might be a possibility down the road
0: it's interesting you mentioned those two because usually someone mentions like uh hudson um or they'll mention um you know garrison brothers or somebody like that about sparking their interest you don't really hear people mention uh maytag or uh Trifly, that's cool. That goes way back.
2: Those yeah, <laughs> those, those
0: are the craft distiller OGs, you <laughs> yeah. know?
2: Yeah, so, and then it's funny because American Distilling Institute had a uh, conference here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to have it here every other year or that so. That
0: was, are we talking 2008? Uh,
2: yes. Yeah. 2008. Were you in the business then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. That was back when bourbon was just a,
0: you know. I think twi- that might be where we met. Possibly. Uh, was it the Brown Hotel? Yeah, yeah. So it's
1: uh, bourbon pursuit. It's it's the home <laughs> of lost connections as well. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Bourbon was. I wish I. Yeah. If we knew what we know now, then my God. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was um, that was when 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 um, I was just starting to call out Templeton for like you know not not uh, putting state of desolation and stuff on there and like trying to say it was. There's, and so you kind of come in the scene. It's like you know, you're trying to you're getting into it, you're you're wanting to to do it, and and you start you start a moonshine.
1: If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon, and that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So you
0: kind of come in the scene as like you know you're trying to you're getting into it you're you're wanting to to do it and and you start you start a moonshine you start a moonshine so take us through that process of right. like what it was like you know that early that early stage and, and the and the rationale behind uh, a moonshine which moonshine was really hot back then
2: that it was a uh, it was having its moment. Honestly, and and uh, you know, people. I don't think people realize how difficult it was back then to be even a distillery because mm-hmm. there there weren't a lot of still manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, stock bottles there were like three or four. <laughs> you know, it, it's just uh it uh, it changed so much in the, in a very short time.
0: And then the, all the laws were very unforgiving for someone like you, right? Absolutely. And tough. And,
2: um, uh, yeah, I mean, they, it just was not making it easy for smaller distilleries, but anyway, so we started and um, uh, of course we needed, uh, cash. And so the, the easiest way to make cash I, I used to tell people, um, you know, new distilleries make, if you're in Kentucky, make, uh, moonshine and if you're you know somewhere else you might make gin it's kind of funny that we have gin here now but <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a whole nother story nah, <laughs> full, full circle you right gotta, gotta pivot. <laughs> but uh yeah so we started with the the moonshine and uh, and i really wanted to do it right and we we stated a traditional moonshine recipes and fermented it in, in oak barrels and and really just tried to stay as true to uh our heritage and the heritage of, of distilling as possible. I didn't use any uh, GNS or anything like that, which was very popular at that time.
0: Grain neutral spirit, by the way, people would, what they would do is they would, someone would buy grain neutral spirit from Cargill or MGP and then uh, s- cut it, slap it a, 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 a phony backstory about their grandpappy being a moonshiner and say, whoa, we got the same recipe on <laughs> over here.
1: How weird. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's so, business. Yes. Yeah, God.
2: So, so anyway, so we stayed true and, and, and Moonshine was having a moment and we, we did very well with it actually. It's not as, uh, so I bought, allow- I bought a bottle. Yeah. So, you see, it, <laughs> it worked. And, uh, and it allowed us to, you know, put back a little bit of bourbon, which is always what we had wanted to do. So we continued to do that. And we had, you know, we did have our day with moonshine. You know, we went everything from sugar shine to all the way to the licensing deal with the moon pie and did moon pie moonshine. So that was. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. By the way, mm. I could go for a moon pie right like, now. Moon, it was actually, it's it pretty tasty. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet, but <tasty>. I remember <laughs> not hating
0: your stuff. You know, yeah. I remember the, the moonshine stuff. I, mean, I hated most of the moonshine. I had one of the moonshines that I swear, if I drank the whole thing, I'd have gone blind. Yeah. But there was some bad stuff coming out. But it's amazing to see like the growth and everything um, over over the last decade of what you've done, and to include becoming you know one of the hot places to go on the on the bourbon trail. So you had talked about like putting bourbon. A little bourbon back. What was that like um, at, that, at that phase? How many barrels were you putting back? Were you kind of hoping they'd age faster? You know?
2: Well, you know, the, it's interesting because we didn't do uh, any small barrels at that time. Only 53s. And uh, so you know that it's going to be at least four years. I mm-hmm. didn't want to do anything less than that. We just did maybe one a, one a month one barrel a month yeah at the wow. in the beginning so you know it's just not that much
1: well I mean I do remember going through there six years ago maybe even more than that now and because we had we had done a distillery tour at Makers and then went there and I mean it, it was like night and day right right because I remember watching the still and like just seeing it drip off. Like it literally was just like a drip. It it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, like a garden hose of distillate coming out. It was, it was like a drip. It was like a small, it was like if if you, if you cracked open the faucet just enough, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't want your pipes to freeze in the winter. (laughs) It was like, that was, I remember that was like the amount that was coming out. Limestone branch, one drip at a time. (laughs) (laughs) So,
2: yeah. And then, and so we've always done that, but just a little bit at a time. And then in 2015, uh I was had always been interested in in uh getting one of the brands that were mm-hmm. uh, originally with the family and uh so Yellowstone was one that I pursued and so i uh wrote uh Luxco, who was the the owner at the time and uh it's kind of funny we did this uh <laughs> hey
1: don, I got an idea for you
2: <laughs> well it's kind of funny we did this uh six month email thing like for two years like I'd email him, then six months later he'd yell me email me back, and then you know then i'd wait and then about six months later I'd email him so we went on through this courtship for you know a while mm-hmm. uh and then they uh then they came over and and saw that we were serious. I think think that they didn't know that how serious we were, but saw that we were serious and uh produce a good quality product and things so uh, they partnered with us, and of course they owned Yellowstone, so that brought Yellowstone. Into the limestone branch uh, family, and that's when I became responsible for what's in the bottle,
0: yeah, and I think that this is where this is where people start to get to know you, right? you know they didn't see you like that those early you know sacrifices they didn't see you uh, opening up a hole on moonshiner's TV and letting someone go down there to you know unclog a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. I'm yeah. interested. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> there, there's a I you know what I don't want to get you all off on that tangent, but um sorry everybody. You're getting some inside funnies between Steven and I. Yeah, you
2: will have to go back and, and check out Moonshiners. Go watch. Evidently Fred's on there and I am too. So.
0: Yeah, so we we there's some there's some funny stories. <laughs> I feel bad I'm the only person not on it now. It's like Soon. it's like
1: I'm not in the club. Soon.
0: Uh but anyway, you, you know, no people didn't see those sacrifices, and I know you would have loved to have been able to do this all on your own, but was it was it difficult because you 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 brought in a partner? Partners don't just say, "Oh, here is some money." Let's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let's you know they they want a piece. You know, right. was was it difficult for you to kind of um, give up some of that control?
2: Yes, you know, I mean, it wasn't okay. Let's put it in theory; it was not, and right. they 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 allow us a wide uh parameter of creativity and things but you know it's still when you go and you're it's like i i was used to just making a decision and doing it or not doing it so it took a while to get over that sure <laughs> we can do that and then yeah oh yeah i have to talk gotta, to somebody else run it by my <laughs> other wife yeah so but they've been very good to us and uh and we've you know we're when you and say pl- they, you're talking Luxco. Our partner, Luxco, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, they've been great partners and we're at a, uh, a place where we would not be probably in, uh, you know, Paul my, is a little bit older, is just a few years older than me. And uh, in our lifetime, you know, we would not probably be where we are now had we not partnered with them. So it's been great.
1: Has it been instrumental in either finding the liquid that goes in there, distribution, like kind of talk about. absolutely
2: so the 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 distilling part and everything at the distillery is run by uh myself and our crews over there and then all the things that i used to hate anyway which was dealing with the the distributors and and getting it out there uh that's what they take care of so we were it, it worked out really well that way and then also they've had relationships with uh various distilleries here in Kentucky since the 1950s. So they had a vast stock of bourbon that we were able to draw from. So that was, you know, instrumental
1: in making the brand actually. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of talk about, you know, how the operations have changed a little bit, you know, at Limestone Branch, you know, doing a barrel a day, now having, you know, something like Yellowstone in the portfolio and I'm not too sure I know much about this uh this this bourbon we have or this whiskey Minor out in the case. Yeah. So kind of talk about that as well and and sort of how is limestone starting to scale or starting to do things a little bit differently.
2: Right. So we are uh you know we started out like I said maybe a barrel every month and we went to a, a barrel every day. Now we're at uh, a couple of di- barrels a day uh and then we're looking at maybe we we're, we're definitely going to increase the production from there as well soon. So as soon as I have it nailed down we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that (laughs) as soon as that investor (laughs) money starts rolling back in something
1: like that yeah Yeah. so
0: i i you know the story behind minor case like folks this is uh this is a forgotten name in and whiskey and i was so friggin happy that you created this brand uh tell everybody about minor case and you know, the story.
2: Yeah. So that, so you're right. And, uh, Minor Case is r- the brand is really dear to our heart because my brother and I, because that's, that's our first brand that we really uh, got behind with, uh, a brown liquid. And, uh, Minor Case was, uh, Jacob Beams, who was Jacob, if people don't realize, was the original Beam who came to Kentucky in 1792 and sold his mm-hmm. first whiskey in 1795. So Jacob, uh, Minor is Jacob's great grandson. And then I am Minor Case's great grandson, and uh, Minor was the uh, <laughs> family ties. They just keep going, don't <laughs> right? they? Yeah. And so Minor was the oldest of that generation, which included Jim Beam was his first cousin, and uh, well respected. Uh, he he learned his trade at Early Times, which was owned by at that time by his uncle Jack Beam. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that Early Times goes back to the Beams as well. Yeah, so and that's where he started. They usually started around fourteen years old, and then at twenty-eight, he bought into a distillery in Gethsemane, Kentucky, and uh, it became the uh, Head and Beam Beam and Head Distillery. I think it was Head and Beam. Anyway, <laughs> the two two uh, there's there's two a fam- lot of, there's a lot of beams. We're,
1: we're finding this out. <laughs> two, yes. two
2: families, and uh, and then he eventually bought that distillery out, and it became M.C. Beam and Company. And uh, do you know what his brand was?
0: uh the it was a little in,
2: controversial at this time
0: um the star was it, what what i don't know what it was no the, no st- the, the star the, bell or uh, no uh
2: five star was one of j w dance, but yeah uh, uh minor case brand back in the the turn of the century late eighteen hundreds early nineteen hundreds was old trump oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: I did <laughs> not know that. Yeah. If there's a there's a time to revive it. I'm sure I'm sure time. uh old Donald Trump just took claim to that. Yeah. He he's heard that and he's he's getting the getting the <laughs> old lawsuit out ready for you.
2: Yeah. So uh, you know, Jim Bean was making old tub and and minor case was making old Trump yeah. at that time. Interesting. And, yeah, it's kinda of funny when we went in first went into business. Uh, this was, you know, well before the presidency and everything, but I, I had thought about it and then it's like, well he, he owns the, because of the vodka, he owns the alcohol space of of Trump. And it's just like, I didn't want to have to, I didn't want that partner for sure. He,
0: <laughs> that well, that he's got lawyers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Minor Case, you know, um, Minor Case was, you know, I knew him from um, early times. And, you know, there's like uh, journal entries of him being just an incredible, accomplished um person and distiller so um i i like those i like um i like it when bottles tell real history right you know and, and and
2: somebody who had been forgotten yeah you
0: know especially in the you know in
2: the beams uh you know he was he he started the beam family reunions you know back in the day uh so then they've been going
0: on oh those are legendary yeah.
1: so uh these ones kid rock
0: shows up to <laughs> i mean <laughs> being, i mean there's solo cups paper plates and um yeah oh, it's something oh, something always happens
2: it's a great it's a great thing but it then they've been going on forever but you know he, he was the patriarch of that generation and well thought of and you know people would come to him for advice and things and but he died shortly after prohibition ended so that he was never able to get back into the
0: business why do you think that the bourbon industry has a habit of forgetting you know people like minor case or jacob spears or daniel shawhan uh or wadi boone or whatever why why is it like it's is it because the marketers are just going with what's hot and then i i
2: I think that's it and then uh, and then through consolidation you know people buy distilleries they take a, a brand or two and then they run with that mm-hmm. you know people ask me you know why uh you know what happened what happened to the Dant brand or what happened to this brand it says, says you no know, it really depends on who bought the brand and how successful then that company was mm-hmm. you know because it, it just depends on you know outside forces that have nothing really to do with the actual brand
0: and, and it's, in like historians like myself and Mike Beach, Chuck Cowdery, I mean, we try to tell those stories. We try to put them out there, you know, but it is, it only, it only resonates if there's a brand connected to it, you know, right. and, and and it's, it's kind of sad.
1: Well, I think we're yeah. in a little bit of a different time as well when, I mean, if you look back at the, you know, I'm sure you have so many old labels that you know about that aren't in existence anymore and you could revive them if you wanted to, and and, you know, today you see, as, as Stephen had said, a consolidation of things. People put their money on, you know, a lot of money on one horse to win versus, you know, mm. really trying to play the field. Right. And so it could be, you know, a difference in the way that we, we work now as an economy in regards of uh, distribution, fighting for shelf space, all those different things where you, you, you can't sit there and say like, okay, let's revive everything that we knew we used to have. Um, so...
2: And you know, I don't th- the the marketers don't have that you know personal connection to a yeah. a, a brand. You know, the the minor case is it's very dear to my heart. You know, because that's my you know great grandfather, and so and yeah. I
0: think it, yeah, I, I, I was like, I like what Campari's doing. You know, with their bringing back their their heritage bottles. I don't actually know what they're calling, but like W B Sappho. yeah. You know, yeah. I mean W B Sappho he was, Sapple was a, was a big name, but he had all daughters and like, you know, and he kind of gets kind of pushed off to the the side and everything. But I mean, in Anderson County, like his whiskey was the shit and everybody sought that out. And so for them to have that kind of, uh, that vision to, to bring back some, some history to, to that, you know, it's, to me, it's very, it's great. I love seeing it. Right. And it also... And I said that, you know, he had all daughters. And it also, when you dig down these, uh, when you pull on these strings a little bit, you kind of see like, oh, yeah, they, they didn't really allow women to, to do much back then. Right. It's like, that sucked.
2: Although, you know, I hear that Joe Beam's wife, Joel Beam, who was minor cases, younger brother, who really, he and his son's. Pretty much revived the, the bourbon industry in Kentucky after uh, that's, Prohibition.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah, she was um, actually Bill Samuels. When I was writing my book, Whiskey Women, Bill Samuels like, was, like, she was like she was the savior of, uh, of, a, of Beam yeah. in a big way. Yeah. But uh, I mean, women, women have obviously always played a role. It's just they, it's only now that we're starting to recognize them. Right. And that, that is a shame. But it's, I'm
1: glad it's happening. Yeah. But to kind of also talk about what you were thinking about with the labels and having a connection, I think that's a big difference in what we see with Campari and WB Saffel is that that is more of a, that's more of a marketing play. Like what Steven brings, this is, this is his family lineage. This is his history, Oh yeah, which man. is, which is a lot different than somebody that just says like, Oh, I'm going to start a bourbon company. Let me go and see what defunct labels were used to be. And mm-hmm. I can just go ahead and which a, by the way, anybody that makes their own makes it a hell of a lot easier to do that because you already have the artwork made you don't have to start from the very beginning um (laughs) (laughs) so there is there's definitely something to be said about you know steven about what you're doing and and having this connection to it and knowing that yeah this is my this is my lineage like this is what i want to continue to build and have something live on for for more generations to come and not let it be another sacrifice of you know consolidation right but it's
0: he's also a story of like this and in a lot of ways it it's a sad story to me because you wanted to start in the 1970s right? and you didn't have an outlet, you didn't have an opportunity. So imagine like if he was able to like jump into the game into this in the 70s,
1: what would it, what would it be like now? Well, you know, you know? what another- <laughs> Probably very, very, very touchy. 70s were never a good time, right? <laughs> so for, at least for, for brown spirits. Yeah, no. the,
2: the, when I, um, Jim Beam had their 200th anniversary. And I, I attended that. They had a big party out at, at Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. And uh I was talking to a gentleman and he was from the liquor control board in New Hampshire. You know, I was a novice, didn't know much about distribution, didn't know anything much about the, the business at all. But we we struck up a conversation and, you know, he he found out but he knew JW Dant, the brand, and uh we knew, I talked about him and said, Well, you know, we have the old recipes and you know, it talks about a bucket of this and a bucket of that. And he said, Well, you need to start a distillery and make things a bucket at a time. And that stuck in my head. And that really probably one of the reasons why Limestone Branch started as as it did. But but that that again, you, you talk about what united what ignited my uh desire for the distilleries is that he he was pushing at that time but there weren't any small distilleries at them if there were there were,
0: mb uh, roland was basically it yeah. you know in kentucky i don't uh, even was, think
2: they were there yet
0: they're two, yeah they started in 2009 so yeah
2: so and this was well early. before that i don't yeah. know when the 200th anniversary was at jim beam but anyway uh 2005
0: probably so I'm like,
1: that. don't look at me. I'm not a historian. <laughs> yeah. I, I come
2: here and ask the
0: questions. All right. So. <laughs>
2: but anyway, so that, that really kind of reignited my desire to, to, to look into it again. So that that's when I uh, started looking and it was always important for me to talk about the, the, the brands and things. It was always important for me to learn how to be a distiller. And really the brand was kind of a second thought. It was more about me learning what my family did mm-hmm. and that's why when we opened the distillery we opened with a very tactile still because i wanted to learn you know the basics and uh, uh not just put something into a computer program i actually wanted to be a distiller i didn't want to just have a a brand it would have probably made more financial sense to have a brand than a distillery
0: but you know listen we don't <laughs> we don't get in this game for financial reasons right passion <laughs> right. right so you said something uh it reminded me of a conversation we were having before we went on the air and your business card says distiller and you pointed out he's like you're like not master distiller so let's uh give tell us why uh, you know anybody right now in the world can call themselves a master distiller and you arguably could so right. why don't you call yourself a master distiller
2: well um, uh for uh, out of respect for minor case probably because he catch a lot of shit uh, at the
1: family reunion maybe yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know out of respect for uh minor case who spent his life you know in the in the business and guiding my grandfather mm-hmm. who was in it his entire life uh these were you know the true masters and i feel like i think i'm above an apprentice now but uh, you know we're getting there.
0: Do you do you take issues with with like some of these smaller distillers, just start up, and five days later they're a master distiller? Uh,
2: you know, people people do silly things. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can call myself a mechanic, but it doesn't mean I'm going to start working on Audis tomorrow. Yeah, so right. I, yeah, I I'm, changed oil once in my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and you know, before we we kind of like move off here because I you know we're reaching to the top. I want to I want to kind of talk about. Um, you know, the brands that you do have here, because talk about what you are doing that actually goes into Yellowstone and how you are, uh, you know, either, you know, blending, taking product and everything like right. that.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not expanding the product line per se so much. So we, Yellowstone is our bourbon minor cases are a rye whiskey. And then we just added the gin, but uh,
1: so Yellowstone, what's the gin called? Make sure people know it's
2: a bowling and birch, All right. which is uh actually the others so we have all tell fours. me this
1: is another label that you found and you're like no oh.
2: it's it's uh but it is my uh grandmother's so it, they included Aww. their names as well so fantastic, the, the, uh bowling and birch names um so anyway the but yellowstone we this is our flagship uh the yellowstone select which is in every state and uh, many different countries as well and so that is
0: actually placed a- in the top five i think in my four number four. it was number four it was number
1: four in my recent taste off it's yeah. it's fantastic I mean, it it's, really it's, is it's yeah. just a it's just a great everyday sort of sipper yeah
2: I, I say it's you know it's a it's a very classic kentucky bourbon profile classic is a good yeah. word and uh so but that's a blend of ours and then the source barrels that we pick from our partners so it does have a little bit of pot still and then has some of the Calm still as well.
0: Oh my goodness, you're doing a rum tech rum blending technique there. That's <laughs> awesome. We're just yeah. taking what you got and just yeah. doing with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's seems like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah glad you said I'm gonna write that one down the next time.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Hey, Steve, we got a new marketing again <laughs> 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 We're doing it like the rum. Blenders, no, but, but if, you
2: know, everything that, that limestone branch does on site is uh pot still. You no, know, and then the barrels that Lexico has is uh, calm still. So we know it's a that's a blend. So it is a kind of unique, unique product that way.
0: Um, now, technically, this is not a, what we would call a blend of straights, right? This is a this is a mingling because it's still under your. Or do you have to label it as a blend? No, it,
2: no, it's, it's, it's a, just bourbon. Yeah. It's just bourbon. Cause it's yeah. for, all four year old.
0: So. Yeah. And, and it's not, you know, it's still one distillery, same distilling company. Right. So like Woodford reserve, which is batching it's uh Louisville distillery and Woodford County distillery, same thing.
2: Right. So then we do uh, a limited edition each year, which is something that, you know, I'll, I'll just do uh, either fi- a finished product or if we have a, a, a batch of barrels that i think are really nice by themselves like last year was just a nine-year-old uh which was all source at that time because we didn't have any nine-year-old but um and then this year it's in armagnac finished in armagnac cast mm. so
0: it's very
2: nice i dropped
0: my bottle <laughs> did you see did, did you see did i tell you about this Uh uh-uh. so we are having a fourth july get together you know stephen gave me a bottle and i'm coming over you know to, to pour it for someone my kid bumps me or something happens and the thing drops and it splatters all over the concrete by the way your bottles are not concrete proof don't
1: <laughs> it know sounds if like you know. just need to get a new kid
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it shattered we played um we we played taps and everything for her
1: because it was a sad moment in my yeah. life
2: we'll we'll get you another bottle
1: for Breakfast. sure <laughs> <laughs> so as we but kind of wrap this up I, i'd be remiss not to at least Mention, you know, what has been, uh, you know, relationship, talking to anything like that with, uh, say, Fred, you know, Fred No and, and that sort of like that beam legacy over there. Like, have you had any kind of interactions with them? Uh,
2: you know, they were when we first started, we didn't know how how that would interact, what would mm-hmm. happen. But uh, they were always very supportive. They're the ones who uh, sponsored us into the Kentucky Bourbon KDA. Uh, the Kentucky Distillers Association, so they uh, sponsored our distillery because uh, the distilleries have to have be a sponsor, have a sponsor to get into the organization. So we've had we have a good, a good relationship, and uh, and then I also just want to shout out with the you know we talk about the dance and Wally Dan is now reviving the old uh, dance distillery at I uh, Gethsemane, that, yeah. and it's going to be a, a, a great thing too. And it's just nice to have the dance back because it was really sad for me, and I always played made sure that we highlighted JW Dance's story in mm-hmm. our story because I didn't want it to be
0: forgotten. This Just great be day. thankful you don't have to write the check to get that thing fixed.
1: There's <laughs> 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 a lot of money in bourbon, oh and it's not even in the bourbon part. A yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, <it's> <laughs> no, lot, of, lot of defunct places. But, you know, Steve, I want to say thank you again for coming on, you know, sharing your story and your whiskey with us. It was fantastic. I didn't even tell people that we were actually, I was drinking uh, Yellowstone as well as uh, the, the rye whiskey here and you know, they're both fantastic. So cheers, cheers Man, to you. Yeah, Man, you did a fantastic job. So, yeah, uh, but before we kind of sound off, you know, how can people learn more about, uh, you know, limestone branch, Yellowstone, everything like that? How can they follow it? Where can yeah. they, can they meet you on site over yeah. at limestone yeah. branch?
2: U- usually if I'm not traveling, I'm, I'm at the distillery and, uh, which is in Lebanon, Kentucky. And there's a, you know, limestone com is our, uh, website. And then, uh, at limestone branch is for Facebook and Twitter, mm-hmm. all, the all the social stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's all, also if, if you Google Yellowstone or limestone branch, it, it, Hopefully it's the everything, number one. Everything pops
1: up. Yeah. Yeah. Get a, you gotta fight the Google SEO and take down that that, that national park. Like, bring <laughs> bring bourbon to the top.
0: <laughs> well, you know, who knows? They may, by the time this comes out, they may not even have SEO funding over there at Yellowstone <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <But> <laughs> let's 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 hope for the best. Yeah, like, you know. <laughs> like, like, Fred, why are you always killing the party <laughs> yeah,
2: you know that's something i i, which I forgot to mention and that we do donate money back to the parks national parks oh, conservation yeah. association through the uh uh so that the parks benefit from the sale of yellowstone and we've donated well over a hundred thousand dollars in the
0: last couple of years so that's so fantastic. in addition to helping the children of kentucky by paying his property taxes mm-hmm. which goes to the schools and the roads in, in his respective county um He's also helping our, our env- public parks, our
1: environment, our trees, our oxygen. I mean, oxygen. literally everything. Yeah. So when you're He's...
0: buying Yellowstone, you're saving the climate and the children. And <laughs> there you go. And you're helping us breathe all at the same time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> literally, it's a lifesaver.
0: Hey, not all heroes wear capes, folks. His name is Stephen Beam. <laughs>
1: well, again, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. Make sure you follow them on all the socials follow us as well, as well as Fred Minnick and his YouTube channels where you get to see everything that he had talked about, you know, with his recent taste-offs and everything like that. So make sure you go and you check that out. And if you like what you hear, leave us a comment whether you're watching this or listening to this. A review would be awesome. And if you do want to help support the show, patreon.com slash bourbonpursuit. With that, Fred, thank you so much for joining us today. Stephen, thank you again.
2: It's been great being here. Thanks. Yes.
1: Appreciate it. Cheers, everybody. We'll see you all next week.
0: Cheers. Be safe. Bye.